Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 28 of the Kennedy Mile Report, brought to you by our great new sponsor, Clio. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Hey, Tom, our last episode about the Internet operating system was one of my favorites, but in fairness, it was pretty abstract. For this episode, we wanted to pick a very (laughs) practical topic that applies to everybody. It doesn't get any more practical than our topic today, does it, Tom? Uh, No, it does not, and I'm glad that you admit that uh, our last topic was fairly abstract, because I felt that way the whole episode. Uh, But in this episode, we are going to talk about something more practical. We're going to talk about computer hardware and what lawyers should be thinking about when they set out to buy new computer equipment. Um, In our second segment, we will continue that conversation and talk about what we think are must-have hardware tools for lawyers. And as usual, we'll end with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can begin to use as soon as this podcast is over. But on to our main topic, hardware. Uh, We're going to be talking about computer hardware for lawyers today, but we obviously can't cover it in 20 minutes. It would just it just takes too long. We, we highly recommend, um, as a definitive guide on hardware buying for the law office, to, to pick up the 2010 Solo and Small Firm Legal Technology Guide by Sharon Nelson, John Simic, and Mike Maschke, some of our friends in, in the ABA Law Practice Management section. But what made us want to talk about this topic is the recent surge in computer hardware buying. Isn't that right, Dennis? Yeah, that's right, Tom. And I want to second the recommendation of that book. It's a it's a great book for lawyers. I think in this episode, we're, we're going to have uh, some information for personal buying as well. But I want to begin with a nod to some of my favorite people, Joe Cashi, Jeff Allen, Alan Perlman, who over the years wrote these great annual articles about h- hardware recommendations for, for lawyers. And I always found those helpful. And I, I hope this podcast continues in, in their tradition. But it's true. PC sales jumped a whopping 24 percent in the first quarter of 2010, and that's even before the Apple iPad hit the market. Uh, in my own home, my daughter has a new MacBook Pro, thanks to the generosity of my father-in-law, and I have a new Fujitsu ScanSnaps scanner uh, that just arrived at my front door this week. Tom, I know you've also been out there buying as well. I have indeed. I um, have a new netbook that I purchased over the past few months that I like quite a bit. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, I'm finally uh, entered uh, uh, where many people have already been, and I'm using dual monitors uh, for the first time, and and I absolutely love it. And I just recently picked up a new wireless card, so that was a very interesting uh, shopping experience, looking for new wireless cards on the market. Uh, but, but Dennis, I, I think that sort of the point that we're going to make is, is how simple it may be for lawyers to, to find technology these days. Uh, is that, do you think, where we're headed with this episode? Yeah, I, I really do, Tom. I mean, a lot has happened that has made the market more, uh, given us a reason, I think, to uh, and, and created a market where people are buying more. Um, yep. It's just aging computers, movement to Windows 7, lots of things out there, some really attractive new things out there. 
um, like the iPad. But um, and also, I, I saw Ray Kurzweil, who wrote the book "The Coming uh, or The Singularity Is Coming," speak this week, and he he points out that the price performance ratios on computer hardware is is better than we've ever seen before, and I, I think that reflects what what's out there. And so you can get this really amazing hardware, way more powerful than what you could get even a couple of years ago um, at, at very excellent price points. I, I, I sort of think my conclusion is really it's almost impossible to go wrong when you're buying hardware these days, especially in terms of computing power. Do, do you buy that, Tom? I do buy that. Uh, you know, when I was recommending hardware to lawyers, and I still do it, but but I did it a lot more in the past, I would really give detailed specs on the minimum that lawyers need to have in order to get to, to have a good computing experience. But now, I don't think that kind of specificity is really necessary anymore. I think that, uh, that, that, that the minimum has already been achieved in terms of what lawyers need. And, uh, and, and I think that so it's I want to say less of a more of a mindless experience because that's not true. I think you shouldn't just go out and buy any computer you want, although that may be your argument here today. I think you still really need to tailor your choices to the way you work. And I think you need to to still make some smart buying decisions. But I think that's kind of where the two of us are headed in this conversation. Right. And I sort of find, and I agree with you. I mean, the, I find the power and pricing of today's computers to be actually kind of liberating. I, I've always bought equipment in the mid range anyway. And, and I think that's, I mean, people, I think would be surprised, Tom, in the, in that we're not total power users buying the most expensive, greatest hardware. We really use what works for us. And, and I think with this baseline of, of powerful computers, great price points, um, you can really focus on computers that fit the way that you, you actually work. Tom, I know you looked over my shoulder at Tech Show, and you know I'm not a normal user of computers at all. <laughs> and so I'm really known for having lots of programs open, lots of browser tabs and windows open. And, and so the biggest factor for me on a computer is really having sufficient RAM so that I can work with all those things open. So I always encourage people to keep their own specific usage pattern and needs in mind. Um, but let's focus a little bit on, on some of the actual actual things people might consider. I had somebody ask me uh, just this week what I would recommend for a desktop computer. And Tom, what, how do you answer that question when you get it? You know, nowadays, my first answer to that question is, do you really need a desktop? And would you instead prefer to go with a laptop? Would, would a laptop work? We are really a mobile workforce now, and, and today's laptops are really powerful enough to do all the work that it desktop can do for the most part. And so with a simple docking station, you can take that laptop with you and have it with you wherever you happen to be. Um, I know a lot of lawyers who exist solely on a laptop and they're, and they're doing just fine. But if you're going to have a desktop, I, I think that you need to, to think about these general guidelines. I think first from a, a vendor standpoint, go with one of the major brands, Dell, HP, Apple, obviously. Um, you know, Gateway computers are still getting good reviews on the review sites, uh, but you can usually count on these types of computers having a good, reliable quality. Uh, as Dennis said, I'm, I'm the same way as Dennis. I tend to go for the mid-range. And so when we talk about processing speed, 
I tend to go for the mid-range and processing speed when I'm offered it. I, I don't go for the slowest, and usually the, the fastest is the newest and, and, and the less tested out. So I'll go for the mid-range processing speed. And make sure you have, like Dennis said, enough RAM to, uh, to handle the way that you work. If you like to have a lot of open programs open, I'm going to recommend that you start with at least three gig of RAM, if not more. Uh, you know, some of the programs will say two gig. I think three gig is really where you need to start. Um, disk size, disk size for me is not a big deal anymore. When I go uh, pricing computers these days, 250 or 360 gigabytes is the default hard disk size, uh, which is more than enough room to hold your files unless you're you're a videographer or you like to store movies on, on your hard drive. Um, most computers these days will come with Windows 7, and that's the recommendation we've made in a prior podcast. So we recommend that you you, you go with Windows 7. It's a good operating system. Um, and then most computers will come with the default peripherals that you're going to need. And, and we'll talk about some others later. But, you know, an Ethernet card for networking and for using the Internet, a DVD, CD burner, um, a video card, you know, usually the one that comes standard with it, 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 again, is good enough for what you need unless you plan on doing gaming or, or some sort of video uh, uh, video editing. Dennis, have I left anything out about desktops? No, I, I don't. I, what I would say is probably my main focus would be on the monitor to get what you really want and what fits you and the way you work. Where I make the trade-offs is on, as you say, on RAM, uh, uh, maybe going from four to six or perhaps eight, depending on how you use a computer. And then uh, I would make the trade-off down on processor and, and up on hard drive space. So it, it, it really depends on your need. Also, remember that you want a 64-bit operating system to access all that all that RAM. So that's an important concern. But I, I think you're right. The the real question is whether whether a desktop really makes sense anymore. And typically where it does is is a backup storage device or you know a home network server type concept, but basically where you're doing a lot of storage. And then you don't need the high, you know, the really high end uh, unit anyway for those purposes. But so I think the real focus for lawyers these days is laptops, don't you, Tom? Oh no, I come I I really think that laptops are where most lawyers are going to go. Uh, when you're making a decision about a laptop, um, really, a lot of the decisions are now al already being made for you, whether you're going to go with a standard size screen or with a wide screen. Um, it really comes down to the size. How big do you want to carry a laptop around? Obviously, if you're just going to, to, to tote it back and forth between your home and office, you probably could get a larger, more powerful uh, laptop. But um, if you plan on traveling, then weight and size become more of a consideration for you. And then we could probably devote an entire episode to tablet uh, tablet PCs and whether or not that makes a, uh, is a good option for you, especially if you prefer to write uh, rather than to type, a tablet might be a good option for you. You know, Tom, what I've found is that as I've learned more who I am and what type of user I am, I just really for prefer the smaller screen. So I like a 13 inch screen. I travel, uh, you know, a fair amount. So uh, lighter weight is important. I realized after using a MacBook Pro for a while, um, when, when I bought a new Windows uh, laptop for myself, the the biggest mistake I made was I didn't get a backlit keyboard, which I, I think is a 
just a tremendous uh, addition to to a laptop computer, but given the way I use it. So on a laptop, I think you really need to think about how you're going to use it, how you're going to carry it, how heavy it is, what type of bag you're going to put it in, and the ways you'll actually use it. And and you'll make uh, you'll make a good choice. I just think there are lots of great choices. And, and I think everything is in play because I think the Macs are definitely in play for lawyers these days. You know, I, I agree. And, and, and I think that more and more lawyers are using Macs and the fact that you can, um, can, can, you know, back several years ago, my biggest caution about lawyers using Macs was the fact that they would be unable to run many types of legal technology software on it. And that doesn't apply anymore. As long as you have a program like Bootcamp or Parallels that allows you to run Windows programs within the Mac or, or run Windows itself within the Mac, um, you know, then, then you should be good with with any of those versions. And as they say, Macs seem to be a lot more user friendly, seem to have a lot less problems. Those are that's what it, uh, people report from them. I, I haven't used a Mac. None of my employers have ever have ever given me a Mac, but I probably would take one in a second if one of them decided to do it. One other area I think that that we haven't talked about a lot is 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 the the netbook and whether a netbook is a good hardware tool. And I, I like I said, I bought one a couple of months ago to sort of serve as a a, a light laptop for me. I'm never going to use this for work. And if you go out on the internet, you'll find lots of critics about networks saying that they're like mini laptops that uh, that that have no power and aren't very uh, friendly. And, and I'll agree that they are low powered computers that generally have smaller screens. Generally, the screens are 10 inches. I, I bought one that has uh, a little bit more me- memory, a little bit more RAM and, and a 12 inch screen. And it's still fairly small, but I don't use it for work. I use it to sit in front of the TV and surf the internet and chat to p- chat with people. I'll pull it out on a plane because it's a lot easier to open up a netbook than it is to open up a laptop with somebody leaning back. And I'll, I'll bring it if I if I need uh, just something to take notes on when I'm gone. Uh, the, the, the differentiation, I have lots of people tell me, hey, Tom, just get a, an iPad. You don't need a netbook. And the, and the real difference right now anyway, at least until iPhone 4.0 operating system comes out, is that I can't multitask on an iPad. I can't hold all of my programs open like I can in a netbook. So that's why a netbook works the best for me, because I like to keep a lot of programs open at the same time. What about you? You know, I, as you know, Tom, I've have uh, my current laptop. I have some concerns about it, and so I've been looking at alternatives. Hopefully, I won't have to look at that on an emergency basis. But I, I sort of bounce between MacBook Pro to netbook to iPad to you know basic, you know, sort of uh, standard laptop like I have now. Um, and what I what I find that I always do is I I look exactly how I'm going to use it, where I'm going to use it. The things I'm going to be doing and then try to make a decision on that basis. So I, netbooks are really attractive to me. And in some ways, the iPad might be the ultimate netbook. Um, but I'm, but it's, it is underpowered. It limits some things you can do. Um, and I'm not sure it quite works. If I traveled more, a netbook would be an almost, almost a no brainer. So, but I think my one real message to people, other than it's hard to go wrong in hardware these days, is to say, take a good hard look at how you use the computer and how you plan to use it and almost picture yourself in, in those settings. Tom, I just wanted to touch on one more thing in, in this segment, if, if we could, and, and that's storage, uh, which is one of my favorite topics. And I know you will never let me do this, but I could do a whole podcast on, on storage, but, uh, the cheap, 
big hard drives that you can get now, USB externals, I think are just essential part and one of the greatest uh, bargains in hardware these days. No, I agree. And I don't have a problem doing a whole session on storage if you want to someday. Um, I, I, My feeling on storage is that given how big hard drives are becoming, to me, um, I, I think that storage really has two purposes. You know, the first one is temporary to uh, move data between computers. And the second one is for backup. Uh, I, you know, I think that... Um, that, that having USB keys or, or small portable hard drives that allow you to, uh, to transfer information from one computer to another are invaluable. And um, having a backup, I have uh, one backup hard drive here that I keep all of my backup to. Now, I do have a redundant backup on the web, and I think that that's you know, where storage is headed because I, I don't use the storage, I don't use a USB key anymore because I use Dropbox to transfer files between computers now and it's seamless. Uh, it lives up there and is synchronized in the cloud and I don't have to worry about putting a key in. I think one of the things you want to think about if you have tools like this is to make sure that all of them are encrypted. There are encrypted USB keys that are out now. There are obviously encrypted hard drives. Make sure because these are the types of objects that can uh, can uh, disappear and get lost so quickly. You need to make sure that they're secured in case they you lose them or they fall into someone else's hands. And then, and then new thing out there is uh, coming is USB 3.0, which will make the, the data transfers onto onto drives uh, uh, even faster. So um, I think that's great. Let me let me take us out uh, of the, the first topic with with the question of is this really the golden age of of hardware? Um, I, I I think it's sort of. It, it's really where we're at really makes things easy in, in making decisions in some ways, but also allows us to focus on how we're actually going to use the stuff and, and what makes the, the best sense for what we have. And so I think it's harder to make universal recommendations than it's ever been. And so when people ask me a question, I, you know, what to buy, I always say, for what? How are you going to use it? I almost go back to my favorite old TV show, Babylon 5, where the characters are always asked the questions, who are you and what do you want? And I think I think the better you can answer those questions, the better decisions you would you will make about uh, hardware. And and for me, hardware is all about what makes it easiest to get get me onto the internet. And so that's a key consideration, I think, for everybody in the world of hardware these days. Great advice. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network and our new sponsor, Clio. Imagine how much easier managing your practice would be if your practice management software was web-based. Your practice would be available anywhere you have an internet connection, completely secure, backed up continuously, and most importantly, easy to use, allowing you to spend your valuable time building your practice instead of managing technology. Start simplifying your practice today with Clio. Sign up for our free, fully functional 30-day trial at www.goclio.com. Use promotional code KMR for a 25% discount. Legal Talk Network has been producing award-winning legal podcasts since 2005. Subscribe to our RSS feed and start downloading today. It's free. Are you interested in sponsoring programs on the Legal Talk Network? We'd love to have you on board. Contact our sales department today at 781-551-9960.
And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. Tom, let's follow up on the main segment with some more hardware thoughts. What are some of the hardware items you consider essential today? We know we've really talked about a lot of them. We talked about a desktop. We've talked about a laptop. Obviously, you're going to want to have. We 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 talked about monitors. I think that the dual monitor setup is ideal. I have I've been working with a dual monitor now for almost two months, and I can't imagine how I did without it. Um, having having a monitor to put my work on one side and and do work on the other is is absolutely invaluable. I, I know I'm late to the game for many of the listeners out there, but but I'm but I'm in the game, so I'm I'm glad to to have it. Obviously, a printer, whatever printer works best for you. Is that going to be a, a standalone or a network printer, a, a color or a multifunction printer? Um, but uh, the hardware that I like to think about most is really the hardware that I'm going to take with me when I am traveling. And that includes, obviously, a laptop or a netbook. I have a new wireless card now, which I like quite a bit. I got the, the Verizon MiFi, which not only provides wireless uh, capabilities for me and a, and a, and a and, and internet access for me, but also up to five people can join into my small little private wireless cloud, which I think is is a, is a neat trick that this uh, wireless card can do. Obviously, with all these gadgets uh, and hardware, you need charging cords, and there are a number of sites on the internet that have different types of, of all-in-one charging cords. I've used the iGo in the past, which has one big charging brick and, and inserts for all types of different uh, smartphones and and, and hard drives and laptops and anything that you could think to plug in and, and charge it. And, uh, and then finally, you've got to have a good laptop bag to put all of it in. Have I left anything out, Dennis? What do you think are some of the must-have hardware items? You know, there's a couple of things. I, I, the uh, the Fujitsu scanner that I just got, I, I've never heard anything so universally as acclaimed by all the, yep, the legal technologists that we know. And I'm I'm really looking forward to, it's still in the box, frankly, but I'm still looking forward to getting it out. Um, and so is my wife, because I promised to scan a bunch of paper I have around the house and get rid of the paper and, and uh, just keep digital versions of, of a lot of things. And, you know, 20 pages per minute uh, will do double size paper. I'm just really excited about using it. All the wireless stuff. So I like using a wireless mouse. Um, I also think uh, in terms of usability, that's one good thing to, to think about with your hardware is to say, okay, can I spend 20 bucks, 40 bucks on a mouse, a uh, a different keyboard that just makes my life easier, that just addresses some of the things that bother me and, and just makes things simpler. You know, you might switch from a mouse to a trackball, um, that sort of thing. But I think the, the wireless options are good. And I'm in the market again for, uh, for a new laptop bag. I'm always, I think that sort of people in our field, Tom, are, are always looking for the perfect laptop bag. And it's interesting how people bounce back and forth, but I'm, I, I've sort of settled on the backpack because I think that, is the most convenient and works really well in airports. It's surprising even how light laptops can get heavy after you're walking for what seems like two miles in an airport. So those are the the things out there. But I just think, again, look at how you use things and try to say, where, where am I experiencing some pain points in how I use hardware? And can a, a real simple fix um, help me in a lot of ways? That's why I think the scanner is a great example uh, for me. If I can get rid of boxes of paper and, you know, clear out filing cabinets and other areas in the house, that's going to be a great thing. 
Yeah, and I'll I just add one more thing about a, a laptop bag. I will say that the bag that I've been using for the past, oh, about two years now is a is a bag that I think is fantastic. I, I like the idea of the backpack, but I'm using a checkpoint friendly bag so that I do not have to take my bag my computer out of the bag as I go through. I just unhook it from its uh, from from the rest of the bag and the computer lies flat and goes straight through uh, at security and I don't have to worry about uh, taking it out and potentially losing it or damaging it when I get through security. Uh, that said, I do have to put it on my shoulder and sometimes it's a little bit heavy on my shoulder, but I, I've made that trade off. And so, again, proving Dennis's point, it's it's whatever works best for us. So we will uh, include links to lots of the products we talk about in the show notes and, uh, and, and as well as the 2010 Solo and Small Firm Legal Technology Guide for you to take a look at at tkmreport.com. Now it's time for a parting shot. That one tip, website, or observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. You know, I found an interesting piece of software in the past week, and uh, I wouldn't always put, associate the words Microsoft and Fixit in the same phrase, but uh, it's something called the Microsoft Fixit Center. It's a free download from Microsoft, and it contains all uh, uh, probably seven or eight, maybe nine troubleshooting tools within it that you can use to automatically troubleshoot and fix any problems with uh, either a Windows Vista or Windows 7 computer. Not sure if it works on Windows. XP. I downloaded it and it does a quick scan of your computer, finds out if there are problems, and then either will suggest fixes or help make those fixes themselves. Like I said, it's a free download. So if you're using a Microsoft computer, it's a great tool. And Tom, my parting shot is the the Wolfram Alpha iPhone app. We've talked about Wolfram Alpha in an earlier podcast. And it's, uh, rather than thinking of it as a search engine, it's almost something that finds answers for you. So rather than the Wolfram Alpha site, you type in something you want to learn about, and it it actually, instead of bringing you back a list of the top 10 web pages that mention it, it actually tries to give you an answer. So um, I work in O'Fallon, Missouri, and if I type in O'Fallon, Missouri into Wolfram Alpha, it will give me the population of of the town and other information about it. It also is, is a fantastic tool for people who have uh, kids who have math homework, um, and it, it does a lot of things. It was known uh, when it first came out as, as it was priced to Fifty dollars, and and I actually thought it it could as an app be worth fifty dollars, and I thought about it, but <laughs> that's just the wrong price point. It's sort of like publishers who want to charge fifty dollars for a for a Kindle version of a, of a book, but uh, they've dropped the price to two dollars. Fantastic bargain, um, really useful tool. You can think of it as anything from a souped up calculator to this this great as it says it's a it's an answer finding engine more so than a, a search engine. So, uh, terrific little app, now just $2. Yeah, we've talked about Wolfram Alpha on the uh, podcast before, and, and I agree. It's a, it's a great tool. And now that, they've, now that they've come off of their sort of outrageously high $50 price tag, I, I hope that they, they have some success with that iPhone app. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Links to the topics we discussed today, as well as how to follow us on our blogs or on Twitter, will be available on our show notes wiki, which is located at tkmreport.com. We're also on Twitter at tkmreport. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. 
And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. And remember that you can subscribe to this podcast on whatever new computer you might buy. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.